0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop, the FSVU and Florida Flambeau's official podcast for Florida State sports. Uh, Once again, I'm Logan Grushfield. I am the senior sports writer for the FSVU sports section, and I'm joined by a friend of the pod, uh, a guest a few weeks ago. Uh, Austin, I believe it was before uh, our win against Notre Dame, was that correct?
1: Um, I think so. Or the, the win against UNC, I think. Yeah. Cause,
0: yeah, cause we were, yeah, Notre Dame, North Carolina. I know we'll be talking about Notre Dame a little bit later in the episode. So I think I had that on my brain, but yes. Yeah. yeah against uh, number five UNC. And so hopefully that'll be a sign of good luck here for Florida States games coming up in the weekend, uh, especially against uh, Pittsburgh. So, and again, you can find Austin uh, with me at the newspaper Or you can also find Austin in V89. So uh, as I like to say here, I have the uh, voice for print and Austin has the face for radio. So we're always a pretty good fit here uh, whenever we get these radio guys on. So uh, we got a big episode here. I mean, we're in the middle of the election that does not seem to be ending. Tell me about it. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, we'll get these numbers coming out of Georgia um, coming out of Arizona, uh, or Arizona is done, excuse me, uh, and Nevada, and hopefully Pennsylvania soon enough here. Um, I was just thinking, you know, Austin, you're a Falcons fan. I love seeing these tweets of just stop the count and funny stuff. That must have been you in that Falcons Patriots Super Bowl, right? You know, after y'all went up 28 to 3.
1: So. Yep, they, that was me when they were up 28 to 3, when the Braves were up 3-1 in the NLCS. Uh there's a whole slew of other instances where I would have liked the count to be stopped, but my favorite one so far is uh the the narrative I guess or the joke that Atlanta sacrificed its its sports championships, its sports teams to potential, potentially uh have Atlanta turn the state blue. That's made me laugh a couple times.
0: I, I mean, I I wouldn't be complaining. I don't I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, right? You know, I, I that's pretty good. So, um, and then just before we get into talking about, you know, I'm sure we'll have plenty of comments, negative and positive here about Florida State football. But I, I was just looking at some of the comments that uh, Pat Narduzzi, who's the uh, Florida uh, Pitt, excuse me, uh, head football coach, had to say, and he was just talking about, you know, obviously he's saying, okay, you know, FSU's got. You know, this and that, that we've got to worry about. And he just had, he just goes, Jordan Travis, number 13, he's a football player. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you know, maybe my brain has just been rotted from watching too much. you know, too much of this, all I could think of, I can only hear that in John Gruden's voice. Let me tell you, man, this kid, Jordan Travis, number 13 quarterback for the Florida state Seminoles. He's a football player, man. He runs that spider two Y banana like you've never seen. Well, I'll tell you, I love this guy, man. You know, so I, I, I'm sorry. You know, that was the only thing I could think of, you know, maybe I just had to blow off some steam from work, but you know, um, and so on, on that note, um, I think the big folly that we made, or I don't know if it was a big folly, depending on you know based on what we had seen against North Carolina, was I had Jake on and we we're both saying, "Oh, this Louisville game is very, very winnable," and Florida State just got the absolute breaks beaten off them. But would you agree with me here, Austin, that this is a an actually winnable game for FSU?
1: I would say so. I mean, like you said, shame on us for thinking this team could have some semblance of consistency from week to week. Uh, I definitely did not see that Louisville loss coming, but I think so. I mean, we've said that Georgia Tech, JSU, uh, Louisville and now Pitt are all winnable games. So a little bit of a a mixed bag there, but especially Mm -hmm. considering Pitt will like 99 percent, they will be down their starting quarterback. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot more FSU favored than it would be with him in the, uh, in the lineup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe um, I think one stat that FSU will be um, able to break this week that was pretty troubling for me is in all of their games against FBS competition. Um, I mean, they started out against Georgia Tech. I mean, they only gave up 16 points, but they still gave up I think in the neighborhood of 450 yards and then as each as they played more games against FBS competition, that number only went up each week. So you take the Jacksonville state game out of the mix there. And I just, I'm looking at this offense and um, Joey Yellen, the backup quarterback, he doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, he's only completed 45% of his passes. Um, I mean, Pitt seems like they've got kind of a, a solid receiver receiving core, but they also haven't been doing much on the run. So I, I mean, I think at the very least, the Florida State defense, I think, has kind of shown that there's, at least for them, a limited correlation between, you know, yards given up and points allowed. You know, those haven't really seemed to run together as much, um, you know, because you got a couple blowouts mixed in with, uh, you know, solid defensive performances. Mm -hmm. But um, I think at the very least, they will not be giving up 600 yards to uh, Joey Yellen and the Pitt Panthers. And if they do – that would be a big
1: problem. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so much of Pitt's offense was run through Kenny Pickett, their quarterback, before he went down. Uh, He accumulated almost just shy of 1,400 passing yards, which is why they have six receivers over the 100-yard mark so far this season. And they're definitely a pass-first offense. You see uh, the not-so-impressive stats for their running backs. Their leading rusher only has 263 yards on the season so far, averaging less than three yards a clip. So... Uh, that could, that's a good news for FSU's defensive line, which has been pretty maligned this season. Uh, probably not going to be a huge threat in the run game. Pitt won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the secondary for FSU, that's going to be a tough call, because obviously, I mean, we've been saying this before every game, we don't know if Hamza Nasrathian is going to be back in that secondary to back out the Fompey Samuel. Yeah, he's been sorely missed. Yeah, Asante Samuel has been largely a a one-man army in that secondary. Uh I mean, there have been some contributors from time to time, but he is obviously the one guy that has been a major contributor on this defense so far. So he can go one-on-one with Pitt's number one receiver, but adding Hamza back into the mix, I obviously still don't know the status of his injury. I've seen him uh, warming up, maybe not in – obviously not uh, dressed out for games, but he's been warming up on the sidelines with some guys before games which is encouraging. I don't know if he's going to be back this weekend, but obviously uh, the, re- the receiving game will be a huge boon for FSU's defense. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And I'm looking at um, – so from what I'm seeing here, um, I mean, Pat Narduzzi, he's kind of giving the poker face. You know, he's mm-hmm. not wanting to say – he's not wanting to 100% commit to, um, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett not playing. He's saying, oh, i see some good stuff, you know. You never know, but it seems like the odds are he won't be playing. And I'm just looking at some of uh, Joey Yellen, who's a backup quarterback stat lines here. Um, Granted, this is against Miami, and this is against Notre Dame. So, I mean, these are two teams that gave Florida State plenty of trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they are no slouches on defense, but, um, I mean, Yellen, 22 of 46 for one touchdown against Miami, 10 of 27 against Notre Dame, uh, three picks. I mean – Pitt, your quarterback, woof. Yeah, that is that is disgusting.
1: That is a tough situation to be in. And, like, granted, you did say that Notre Dame and Miami are, like, far and away the second and third best teams in the ACC. So it would be expected of them to blow out lesser competition like that, especially when they're still in the oh, yeah. second-string quarterback. But, I mean, this dude has really had a trial by fire so far in his first couple starts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, – I mean, yeah, Notre Dame's definitely – I mean, well, M- Miami – wasn't a whole lot better for Florida state, but um, I mean, Notre Dame, they still let, you know, give up 17 points to Jordan Travis in the first quarter, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, they, obviously the end result was a lot to be left, a lot to be desired, but I mean, this isn't an impermeable defense that Notre Dame is running up here, but there are some things I know on, on the defensive side of the ball, the sense that I'm getting is if Pitt is going to have a shot at winning this game, um, it's going to be through their pass rush. Um, that's been definitely the strongest point of um, their game, and especially against, you know, Florida State, whose pass rushes or and not pass rush, excuse me, whose offensive line has been, I mean, at best inconsistent. I'd say the only really, really solid game that we saw out of them was um, was the North Carolina game. I did like the progress that they made in the Louisville game. You know, they only gave up, I believe it was two sacks. I think, so. um, or, I, I think like three quarterback hits, Um, you know, now there just wasn't a whole lot going on on offense to begin with, but you know, they weren't getting just, you know, blown out like they had in some of the games that we saw last year and uh, earlier in this season, especially. So I, I'm thinking that, you know, if, if Florida state can kind of handle them up front, you know, and um, hopefully I, I think get a little bit, um, you know or see a little bit more of a turnaround for Jordan Travis on the health side of the ball because I know Kenny Dillingham the offensive coordinator had said that they couldn't really roll out the design runs that they like to do for Jordan Travis hmm. so I would think that makes them just that much more one-dimensional
1: yeah the uh, the running game for Jordan Travis those design runs have been a huge part of FSU's offense so far especially early in games Ah, uh, those have been incorporated a lot into the the scripted first drive, and that's been a large part of FSU's success. Um, so, the, yeah. so taking that away, uh, admitting that you're not going to be able to rely on that part of your offense is a huge takeaway and plays into Pitt's de- the Pitt's favor on defense, especially considering. And Gary Gary surprised me. Gary Putnick, managing editor of the FSU, he surprised me when he brought this up Monday. Uh, Pitt actually leads the nation in sacks, and just looking at the really, yeah, they do. Just looking. My goodness. Yeah. So they're definitely the antithesis to FSU's defensive line. Uh, they've got Patrick Jones, who leads the team with seven sacks, two other players with four and a half, a guy with two and a half. So these are totals that we would wish that we would see, or FSU, FSU fans wish they could see from the likes of Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, uh, those guys. So yes. that's, that's going to be a huge ask for FSU's offensive line, which, as you said, is inconsistent at best uh especially considering that FSU doesn't believe they're going to have a huge element of Travis's game uh at their at their disposal. Yeah, no, I I do completely agree. Now, I want to go
0: back to the um back to Pitt's offense here. Um just thinking about their their running back room. So, they've got AJ Davis um and then they've got uh Vincent Davis. So I didn't realize they've got just Davis and Davis. Literally, uh as Pat Narduzzi said, the other guys might get a snap here and there, but right now it's it's Davis and Davis. So they've got, you know, the the law firm running the ball here. <laughs> and um, you know, it doesn't does, I mean eighty nine point eight rushing yards in six games. I'm just you know, thinking back to games, uh the game against Louisville and the game against Miami, I think that was where Florida State on defense got Really untracked mm-hmm. was they were able to just you know let the running backs run wild, and then I mean also they had dual threats in you know they're facing De'Eric King and uh, Malik Cunningham, you know uh, Joey Yellen for Pittsburgh. I, I don't even know that I could call him a single threat. Let him let alone a dual threat here, uh, um,
1: but you know
0: I, I'm thinking that just looking on the offensive side of the ball. There's not – I think what happened in those games was, you know, the defense is just so off-kilter, you know, from the run game that then they're just getting destroyed in the passing game. Um, So I would – you know, it just doesn't seem to me like Pitt has the offensive firepower here to really, you know, make this one a laugher. If I would see – if I could see them winning – it would, I, I gotta say, it'd be a lower scoring, a much lower scoring affair than what we've seen uh, the rest of the year.
1: Exactly, yeah. Because when they were playing teams close, I believe they have two one point losses on the year. And when they started three and zero, obviously that was with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. And they have com- been a completely different team with Joey Yellen. Uh, you said you didn't think he's much of a rusher. He has five rushes for negative forty five yards, which I, I believe all those are sacks. Which for some reason, yeah, exactly. So even when like he's he's not a dual threat quarterback by any means. And even when he is in the pocket, he's uh, taking sacks when he shouldn't be uh, just getting eaten up by defensive lines, which sort of plays into their favor because FSU's defensive line isn't great, but it's, it's like you said, um, if FSU gets into the poor habit of allowing the defense to carve them up, then that's just going to open up a lot of opportunities for Pitt's offense to sort of carry this, this red shirt freshman quarterback and yell
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the defense for me, that is where I am the most worried about this game to get, you know, to be a problem for Florida state is, you know, especially when it comes to pass defense. I mean, Amari Gaynor and Asante Samuel have kind of been like, you call them a one man army for the, uh, for, for Gaynor, for the linebacking unit. And then just in the secondary itself for uh, Asante Samuel. So um, and then, I mean, just statistically, I'm looking here, um, you know, Florida State's tied for the most passing plays of 30 plus yards allowed uh, with North Carolina and Louisville. It's funny with uh, two teams of Florida State has played, (laughs) but um, uh, the point that I'm thinking there and then I'm also thinking back to just some of the comments that uh, Mike Norvell made earlier in the week or uh, last bye week, excuse me, about some of the issues that he saw, especially in that Louisville game, was he said that uh, some of the players on defense, you know, they'd see somebody, you know, get burnt off the line or see somebody just, you know, miss a tackle, have problems with their assignment or something like that, and then they'd be, you know, too eager to kind of run over and help them, you know, leave a significant portion of the field wide open and and just get, you know, burnt right there. So, I mean, Joey Yellen hasn't shown really anything at all to be impressed about, but, you know, just kind of with the way that the defense has been, you know, able to get on track in those games, you know, I would hope that Pitt doesn't come out swinging in the first half and, you know, somehow just knock the defense, you know, out of whack the rest of the game.
1: Right, and if they were to come out swinging in the first half, then that would pretty much be a death knell for FSU, a team which tends to disappear on offense in the second half. So definitely yes. would be a nightmare scenario for them. But as much as I hate to admit it, if if ever there was a sort of get-right game for Joey Yellen, it would be against FSU because, like we said, he's gone up against some fierce defenses in uh, Notre Dame and Miami. Notre Dame might not be the most consistent defensive team in the nation, but they are playing well enough to be, the second best team in the ACC, largely through defense. So, I mean, he uh-huh. hasn't put anything on the field Yellen has so far that would lend me to believe he could come out in, get a strong first couple drives strung together in the passing game because the, the receivers are phenomenal. But their, their performance, their performance okay. depends entirely on the strength of the quarterback. So it's really just going to be, in my opinion, it'll come down to how good of a week of practice Joey Yellen has had, if he's able to – push those two bad performances out of his mind if he's able to focus on FSU. And if he is, then we could see a better pit team in the first half against FSU.
0: Absolutely. And and I want to ask you here, maybe on, uh, you know, I want you to check me if you think I'm wrong here, but I, I feel like I'm pretty bullish about um, Florida State's running back mm-hmm. situation. And especially last week, I was saying, why are, I mean, especially... I was talking in the case with Louisville, you know, I was a little dissatisfied that, you know, I didn't, the team didn't seem like they wanted to, and I'm not asking them to, you know, just pound the ball for, you know, 45, 50 carries a game, but I do want to see the the kind of three-headed rushing attack of Lawrence Toafili, Deshaun Corbin, and uh, Damian Webb, I would like to see them get, you know, more involved. Now, I realize that you know, if you're telling me Pittsburgh's leading the, um, you know, leading the conference in sacks, if not the nation, you know, it might not be, you know, that's definitely a tough defensive up front up there, but I would like to see them get, you know, get going, especially with, you know, Jordan Travis likely not being at a hundred percent. Now, what do you think? I mean, does FSU, what do you think about that? They're, role within the offensive game. Plan.
1: I completely agree. I mean, I've seen these three guys put up great performances. Uh, three of them, all, th- all three of them put up a great performance against JSU, which is admittedly not up to the same caliber of competition as the rest of the ACC. But that gave me great hope for this sort of trio of running backs to do damage for FSU on offense. And especially in the absence of Tamar Terry, I figured those three guys would get a-, a lot more of the workload than they have gotten so far. We've seen strong individual performances from Webb and Toa Toafili had a couple good runs against Louisville, really when the game was already out of reach. But uh, wow. flashes of brilliance from those two. And then Corbin has has been a good complement. But we've we've never really seen them take over games, which, I mean, I, I, I'll say it again. Tamarion Terry's been out for a couple games now, and he a lot of FSU's offense has run through him for the years that he's been here. So it's just, it's strange to see the offense not want to rely on these two, these three guys rather. And especially with the, uh, the element of Jordan Travis's running game being taken away. I would hope that FSU looks to that, uh, that side of the ball, that side of the offense rather uh, for this game against Pitt.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Especially when you, uh, you know, you know, playmakers make plays, but you gotta let them make Mm -hmm. plays, you know, especially, I mean, with the yards per carry, you know, metrics that they're putting up, you know, I understand that, They're doing it sometimes in games where, you know, who cares about a 14-yard run when you're down by 37. But, you know, I mean, when you're consistently putting up six, seven, eight, nine yards a carry, um, I I would think you got to start reading the writing on the wall, you know. So um, I would hope to see a lot more of them. I would also hope to see less of, um what was just a, a nightmare against Louisville and that now it's drop passes.
1: Yeah, I mean those uh, the, the the five drop passes on Chuba Purdy's drives in particular, those are gonna stand out because Chubba Purdy was hyped up uh, in the off season. He was the more hyped of the two freshman quarterbacks coming in between he and Tate Rodemaker. And the, the, uh-huh. the receivers really didn't do him any favors in his limited action at the end of the Louisville game. So I mean those those drops were not isolated to that drive. It was a a consistent issue throughout the game. So definitely need to uh, get rid of the Butterfinger syndrome and hold on to those balls if you are trying to beat Pitt and work your way up the ACC standings. 100%. And can I just – you
0: said that was five drop passes on Purdy's drive?
1: Yeah, five. He had two drives uh, through nine passes, completed none of them, and five of those passes could be counted as drops.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, that is – that alone is five drop passes in a game is, you know, bad Mm -hmm. enough, but in a nine pass span like that, my goodness, you know? So, yeah, no, I mean, that just lends more to your point. This offense needs Terry back badly, you know? Um, He never seemed to have too much of that Butterfingers issue. You know, if anything, I thought he, he was uh, a bigger liability to almost outrun, you know, some of the passes that were coming Mm -hmm. his way. So, um, I think and he's definitely been that security blanket that um, the offense has kind of sorely lacked here, and especially without Jordan Travis at 100%. Um, I think Louisville's defense, to their credit, did a great job of, you know, figuring out if he can't run, and we don't have to worry about that at least as much, um, force him to pass over the middle, you know, which has clearly been kind of his weakest mm-hmm. spot. As a passer, he seems to do really well, you know, hitting guys deep down the sideline um, in single coverage a lot of the times, but, you know, have pretty good, you know, um, you know, just forcing to throw over the middle uh, where there are a lot of guys. He doesn't seem too eager to, you know, fit stuff in. And that's where you can make plays. And that's where you can really disrupt the offense. um, I mean, to a degree that Louisville did last week. So I'm, I'm hoping that this week we won't see more
1: of the same. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort for, for Pitt to kind of replicate that game plan because it worked so well for Louisville against FSU. And it's like you said, Jordan Travis, yeah. like a lot of the, uh, the the praise that came his way after coming in against JSU and having a good string of performances uh, in the games that followed, a lot of praise for his passing game came from those deep balls, 30, 40 yards down the field. Yeah, because that those built up the bulk of his passing performance. So we said, oh, he's actually a really good passer. When there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. more to it than that. You need to be able to navigate the middle of the uh-huh. field where there's a lot of traffic. You need to hit guys in stride. Because let's be honest, even a couple of those deep balls have been over or underthrown, and guys have had to readjust and make really good catches to put FSU's offense in a better position. So, just crowding the middle of the field probably will be the game plan for Pitts, especially considering that. Travis is likely not going to be able to go on the run. He's going to be under pressure with the the massive threats on this pit defensive line. So as, Uh as scary as it sounds, Travis's passing game is going to be in the spotlight here.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you did definitely a great job of just, you know, breaking it down there. Um, You know, I think they're just going to want to have their secondary lock these guys down. And again, that's just, you know, why you would want somebody like, Tamori and Terry back who can kind of offset some of those shortcomings um, in the passing game. So, I mean, overall, I'm definitely getting the sense here that we've got two weaker passers, you know, or at least where, well, Joey Yellen. um, I I don't want to, you know, run the risk of knocking too much on him, but I mean, he just has not shown, I mean, clearly, you know, rushing isn't a big part of his game. But, I mean, as a passer, he also hasn't shown a whole lot to, you know, write home about. And, I mean, Jordan Travis, it just seems like, you know, Florida State would not – you know, they're not relying on him to go out and just chuck the ball up 50 times a game, you know, which given his skill set I, I think is the best. But just now, you know, when he's kind of hindered, um, th- that's where you start to see issues. And, I mean, I, I definitely wish we we would have a more – consistent pocket passer you know for something like that but i know it seems like james blackman is is kind of been written out Mm -hmm. of the picture at this point so um i'm trying to think here i think we covered most of the um you know biggest stuff that we wanted to see here um any final thoughts from you on this on this matchup before we get into our prediction?
1: Um, really just want to emphasize the battle on the line of scrimmage either way, because FSU's defense is going to want to get to the inexperienced quarterback in Joey Yellen, assuming he does start, which, I mean, the writing is on the wall. Um, and obviously the same would be true for Pitt. They want to put their best defensive line in the conference, perhaps in the nation, uh, to use, and disrupt the already shaky passing game of Jordan Travis. So that is where the, battle, uh, where the game is going to be won, just the battle in the trenches, so... That's that's a large part of my decision.
0: Oh, for sure. And then, yeah, I, I completely agree. And then I think just for Florida State fans in general, um, you know, when they're going to bed tonight, uh, and Friday night, they better be praying for no Kenny picket. <laughs> um, or because I mean that you know, well, first of all, we would have just been you know talking in circles here, but second of all, that would be I mean, if he could take them to three and zero. Be leading the nation in some offensive statistics, uh that would be. I, I have a hard time seeing Florida State. I mean, if he's at full, you know, if they're firing the cannons or, you know, going at full speed with him, I would have a hard time seeing a Florida State defense um, really handle him well.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Kenny Pickett's play is a, a large part of why Pitt pick. were picked to do well at the start of the season and why they started 3 uh, 0. Obviously, Without Kenny Pickett, they've kind of fallen down the rankings and they are a much easier target now. But they had a lot of preseason hype when they haven't for the past few years. I was kind of surprised to see all the the positive words being said about them preseason. But those first three weeks of Kenny Pickett, really first five weeks when they were in those two games, they lost by a cumulative two points. Uh, They showed that he's the real deal and FSU gets a massive break by not having to play him this week.
0: Oh, 100%. So yeah, no, I, I think this has definitely been, you know, one of the better times to be a Pitt fan since uh what Larry Fitzgerald tell, was yeah. there? So yeah, that's that's been a while. So um, but and then my last footnote here, this is Pitt's first time visiting um Florida State since 1982. Okay. So I did not realize this you know, they must have been a part of the Big East, um, you know, pre uh, rest in peace, Big East, you know, my gosh. Um, But, you know, first time I thought about that in a while, but, um, and then the last uh, significant pit game I can remember was uh, Jameis Winston's debut where, you know, he just kind of lit the world on fire for 2013. So, you know, that'll be, um, I don't know that we can expect similar (laughs) quarterback play by any means. But um, you know we can hope for at least a similar uh, win-loss result. So I'm looking at the spread here, and it looks like Pitt is favored by two. So, uh, you know me, I I, I tend to be a little bit optimistic here. I'll- I'm gonna give this one to Florida State, and I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say 28-24. FSU. I'm not giving FSU any field goal credit, uh, especially <laughs> after kind of the you know rough couple weeks we've seen out of Ryan
1: Fitzgerald. Park. That's actually a very fair point because those two, no, no matter who you put out there to take a field goal, if it's beyond 35 yards, it's really, uh, you, you, it, it's a mixed bag. Uh, you're not getting just throw exactly. the exactly. You're not getting a whole lot of consistency in that part of the game. But I'm thinking sort of a similar uh score difference that uh, as you are. I was thinking twenty-three twenty for FSU. I think they are able to, to get two field uh-huh. goals out of, uh, or that would be three field goals. I can't do math. <laughs> so definitely a better performance yeah. from the field goal unit than FSU fans are used to seeing. And I think Pittsburgh plays just well enough to stay in the game. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't see why they are favored in this game with the play of Joey Yellen so far. Um, but. Um, (laughs) I I am also a little more optimistic, like you are, that FSU is going to be able to pull this one out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it's just kind of the, you know, I I think in the national media, Florida State's just kind of a fun team to dunk on, you know, because they're, they're, I I would hope we don't reach Nebraska status or anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, just where all, you know, it's like you pop the balloon here. But, you know, it, it, I, I, I think we're kind of falling into it's like Michigan or Texas. It's just fun to laugh at, you know. So, and unfortunately, we've given fans a little more comedy material than highlight material um, in the last few years here. So, you know, so, uh, but I, I think Florida State can uh, definitely sneak this one out. And I think, you know, as we said, if we're going to see a win here, I think Florida State would probably need to be up 14 to 17 points at the half and just hope to hold on the defensive front, at least if they've been playing like they have.
1: That sounds about right. Cause I mean the UNC game in particular comes to mind where everybody was just hooting and hollering after the first half. They were like, wow, FSU's back. Norvell is like instituting a really good culture. We're going to be the top five team. And then for 29 of those 30 minutes in the second half, it was just full on despair. So if if that's, if that's any indication and if the season as a whole is any indication, then FSU definitely needs as big of a first half quotient as they can get.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, if they wanted to turn it around the second half, <laughs> I wouldn't be complaining, but just the indications have not been there, you know? So and it was like the opposite problem last year, or well, I guess a similar problem last year. It seemed like Willie Taggart's defenses just kind of, you know, pulled the disappearing mm-hmm. act at halftime, you know? And I mean, our our defense hasn't been as bad this year, um, I mean, they've kind of gotten the tall order from the off, um, you know, just with the offense not showing up, but, um, yeah, I, I do think we'll need to see a solid first half, um, for FSU. And if not, something's going to need to click. Um, I do want to turn now to a little bit more, uh, successful team for FSU athletics. And that would be soccer, which finished, uh, eight and they actually won their tiebreaker with uh, North Carolina, who also finished with an undefeated record. So Florida State will be coming into the ACC tournament uh, playing the number eight seed, which is Notre Dame. And now we think back to the beginning of the year, and Florida State thrashed Notre Dame uh, at the in their first match of the year. I think it was like their uh, biggest margin for an opening day uh, victory since like 2009, and they played Jacksonville. You know, which I think I saw that and I didn't even know Jacksonville (laughs) University existed. So, um, you know, I'm just what I know, Austin, you've done a little bit of uh, coverage, as have I, for for soccer this year. And um, I just wanted to get, you know, where do you if you're going to kind of put your stethoscope, um, the Florida State soccer team, you know, how do you think that they're going to be able to do it? It's
1: it's really interesting uh, when you mentioned the, the opening day match against Notre Dame for Florida State, because that and then Notre Dame's uh, next game where they beat Miami six, nothing. Those were really two, the, the two outliers okay. on their schedule, because after that the offense really cooled down, the defense settled down, obviously uh, they ended with 12 goals for them, for Notre Dame and 10 goals surrendered. So Half the goals they surrendered against Florida State or half of their total goals surrendered on the season came against Florida State and half the goals they scored on the season came against Miami the next week. So it's it's been a lot of low scoring games, uh, low scoring wins and losses since then. And really, when you look at what Notre Dame has put on uh, put on the field so far this season, largely they have beaten the teams they should beat. They beat. uh, Where did where did that go? Uh, Syracuse, Boston College, and Miami, who were the three worst teams in the ACC, and then they lost to some of the contenders in North Carolina and FSU. So I would expect more of the same, maybe not by the same margin of victory. 5 nothing is a, a considerable margin of victory, and I think it being the first game of the season played a large part in that. Uh, though, though yeah. I mean, FSU's offense really has not slowed down so far this season. They've put consistently 18, 19, 20 shots per game um, a large part of those coming as shots on goal and those are translated into one of the best offenses in women's soccer so i i do trust fsu to win this game i may i if i had to put a margin of victory on it i would say two nothing just because uh notre dame's defense does seem to have tightened up as the season has gone on so i wouldn't expect a huge spectacle for the seminoles
0: yeah no i i totally agree um I'm going to say I'm going to say three nothing just because, you know, I think, you know, they definitely seem Mm -hmm. to have Notre Dame's number. I mean, it's also been the beginning of the year. But, um, you know, one thing that doesn't necessarily jump out on the stat sheet, but from the interviews I talked to, let's see, I talked to Emily Modrill this year. I talked to Christina Roach, who's a uh, freshman, -hmm. true freshman goaltender. Absolutely. It was a fantastic season. Uh, I mean, she kind of took the starting job, um, you know, right there um, away from, gosh, what's her name? Uh, Brooke Bollinger. And um, I also talked to Leilani Nesbitt and just what all of them had to say was this, the environment that there is for Florida State soccer is just like professional, like nothing that they had ever seen. I mean, they said that was what drew them there. I mean, it's certainly – they know how to conduct themselves if, you know, they won a national championship two years ago. I mean, over – I want to say over half of all of Coach Krikorian's wins have been shutouts. So, I mean, this is a team that – we also saw it in the Duke game. You know, they went – I mean, it was a zero-zero game until the final <laughs> 16 seconds, 14 seconds maybe, something, you know, right down to the wire where you would think a, a team – you know, maybe other teams would kind of be just like, you know, mailing it in for the final 30 seconds, you know, like whatever, you know, a tie's a tie. We'll kind of take that, you know. But I mean, Florida State didn't seem to quit. I mean, they had not, um, a undefeated record on the line, but, you know, Duke was number five. This wasn't like a Cracker Jack or, you know, that was a pretty Cracker Jack team that, you know, took them 89 minutes and 46 seconds to score a goal against you know, so I'm just kind of thinking that from what I have seen out of this team, the way that they handle themselves during games, you know, the way that they are off the field and just the way that they practice. Um, I have a hard time just seeing them get, get phased by very much at all. So, um, and then I think just, you know, on firepower on both offense and defense, I mean, they've outscored Notre Dame 25 to 12. You know, they seem to put up just, you know, at least 10 to 15 shots a game, you know, which, um, I mean, that's if you're an opposing goaltender to just kind of have that, you know, constant, you know, that constant threat to worry about. It's got to take a toll a little bit, you know, and then on defense on the opposite side of the coin, Florida state has really just been, it seems like virtually airtight. I mean, it allowed four, four goals in eight games, um, and that was, you know, six shutouts on the season. Like, my gosh, you know. So, um, again, I have a tendency to be optimistic, but I feel like here it's exactly. not unfounded. Yeah, I, I
1: was going to say the exact same thing. The optimism here is not unwarranted at all because this FSU team has uh-huh. consistently had one of the best defenses in the, in the country and one of the best offenses in the country. At one point in the season, they were the clear number one in both of those categories. Obviously, the scoring has cooled off in recent weeks. Uh, you're not putting up four goals a game like you were up until the Virginia game, but still a very, still a very lethal offense. Yeah. The the starters are not the only ones that can score. We've seen a lot of goals from substitutes, and then the defensive unit is is still a rock. Uh, three of the goals that were conceded, uh, three of the four goals that were conceded on this season were against number 11, Virginia. So, I mean, a- outside of that one game, which uh-huh. was a barn burner until the final seconds, you surrendered one goal in seven games, which is phenomenal by both uh, Christina Roach and the defense as a whole. And against the, against the eighth best team in, in yeah. the ACC, which has lost three of its last four games, I would definitely expect that trend to continue. So I, I don't think the optimism is misplaced here at all.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at, you know, just kind of the breakdown here of who scored what. And so Florida State played eight games this year. I mean, this just testifies to the depth of this team. They had four different multi-goal games, mm-hmm. you know, from different players. All of them were from, you know, it was from four different players in four different games. You have U.J. Zhao in the first game against uh, Notre Dame. You have... Um, Uh, excuse me, Jenna Neiswanger in that game against Pitt, um, you know, which was like the first goal that they had allowed all season, first time they had been behind all season. Uh, Claire Robbins against Virginia, and then Jody Brown here in our last, the last regular season game against Clemson. And then you also have um, Leilani Nesbitt, who put up, I mean, the, the game winner in two separate games. She had that late goal against Louisville, in the second game of the year in that 1-0 game and then she had the final goal against uh, virginia where you remember one of the yes. goals was uh, an own goal by virginia that gave florida state a point so she had the last one to kind of close that out um and i know you said it, that that was a barn burner so it just seems like from from all angles it's like florida state seems to have their opponents covered now admittedly i haven't studied north carolina in depth and that seems to me to be Mm -hmm. looming you know i mean north carolina was the one that they had the coin flip um or the tiebreaker uh with goal differential um that ultimately gave florida state the number one spot but that seems to be i mean besides that i can't imagine where they wouldn't have their opponents covered you know on on just these different aspects of a team and on the offensive attack and the defensive Mm -hmm. effort you know that they wouldn't you know, be totally
1: outside. Right. I mean, the offensive threat of Virginia and North Carolina do loom large. I feel like FSU should be on a collision course with North Carolina for the finals of this ACC tournament. So that is really the biggest, as they should be, they're the biggest name that stands out of the eight. And honestly, like, as as much as I want to say that, FSU can't look past Notre Dame because uh, it all starts with winning this first game. I doubt that this team would get complacent, think they have Notre Dame where they want them and then put out a flat performance uh, this coming Tuesday. But that just, yeah, like regardless of if you think that's the case or not, they cannot uh, lose their focus. They have to put, put the effort forward in practice and just make sure they get to the second round before they even think of worrying about a Virginia or a North Carolina or somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Surprises can't happen. I don't want to, uh, uh, my phone's on a wood desk here. So, you know, for the record, I'm going to knock on wood. But, um, I mean, if there's any team that I would think, you know, would just be mentally prepared enough to, you know, not lose sight of what's going on, especially against a team like Notre Dame that you're absolutely right, could just pull mm-hmm. out a surprise, I, it would be this soccer team. You know, I think just the professional environment that they have, I mean, they take it. You know, all all the players I talked to said they take it one game at a time, but they know what the goal is, you know. So they're not, you know, thinking three weeks into the future by any means. You know, it's like they kind of know what their jobs are and they clearly know how to do them. So, I mean, I think that just in my mind, I I see them being very prepared. Whereas, you know, if there was a similar situation for, say, football (laughs) – I would have a hard that's, time. That's a fair that point.
1: And scene. you are completely right. I mean, the culture that Mark Krikorian, phenomenal coach, has, has instituted here, uh, bringing a championship to the program and being a contender in the national landscape year in and year out, a lot of that is built on just making sure you put in the focus during practice, put in the effort during practice, and making sure you don't overlook anything team that you play. So while that isn't really a, a concern for me as much as I harped on it earlier, it's just something I want to make sure that... Uh, the, the, the team like continues to focus on during this tournament run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm trying to, is there, is there much else that you you've got on Not, your mind, Austin, before we wind down here? Cause I, I think we've done, you know, we've. Yeah, I think it's, it's
1: a, it's thoroughly. been a pretty thorough and in-depth episode. I am just really interested in uh, how this ACT tournament plays out. If we are going to get that eventual FSU North Carolina matchup that's uh went down to the goal differential tiebreaker. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to be tuning in this weekend. So
0: will I. So will I. I have my student ticket. I will be there in the stands. Um, and, yes, I will be certainly looking forward to uh, what we see out of Pitt and what we see out of Florida State. Hopefully we'll get a good result there. So, um, again, Austin, thank you so much for coming on. we got a friend of the pod. Glad to have you back. And um, you can always catch Austin and I's work um, in the FSU and Florida Flambeau. Uh, it's on the white, machi- in the white uh, paper dispensers on campus starting on Monday. And it is online starting at whenever our articles get uploaded. So, um, again, and you can also catch Austin um, on Tomahawk Talk on Mondays uh, with V89.